ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Allentown Network for our flagship episode of Album of My Life. Yeah. So what this podcast is going to be is just, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, uh, everyone's favorite album, because, you know, we all have that favorite album, right? Especially those of us who grew up, like, listening to full, solid albums, not just this, you know, in this culture, it's so much of that, here's the single, buy my album, but you're only going to listen to the single, like, 3,000 times. Yeah. So, yeah, we wanted to talk about, you know, albums, not just this, this singles culture. We wanted to actually talk about, you know, full albums, because a lot of us, especially those of us that really love music, uh, we there's just an album we can't put down or it has been like the soundtrack of our life. So I found it only appropriate here on the Allentown Network that we started this off and had the first episode with the founder of the Allentown Network, Otis. And TV. because I'm terrible at introductions, I'm Jeff, as you should all know if you listen 20 minutes at the bar, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, you know it, it was one of those things where i came up with this idea and i this is going to kind of be my little baby of a podcast but you know we're the allentown network we're growing we're doing a bunch of stuff we throw stuff at a wall and you guys occasionally listen to it and like it so yeah i was gonna yeah. say uh just adding on to that um i forgot where we were um probably leaving the bar or something and then Jeff comes up with this like really cool idea to just go over like albums. And I, I usually come up with ideas, but a lot of people around me, my good friends, they're more of like molders of ideas. Uh, but I had like this moment of just kind of like, I'm going to sit with this for a little bit. And I remember we were going on a trip and I remember I was sitting in the car and we we're heading towards, I want to say it was LA. And I was just kept texting Jeff, just ideas about this. And I was like, I have my album. I know what I want to do. This is a really cool idea. So it, this is really nice. And everybody I've brought it up to, they've everybody pops out like one album. Uh, Katie's weird because she likes tons of albums. And she's like, I don't know if I can just pick one. I'm like, yeah, you can. You, you can. You just got to think about it. But it's, it's an amazing idea. And I'm glad that we're getting going on this. I, think, I honestly think this is one of the coolest ideas. So, yeah, that was kind of the idea of our of how this kind of came together. We just kind of had an idea or just sat with it and then realized, yeah, it's cool. Let's do this. So, and yeah, know, a month later, here we are as, as happens with the Allentown network. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. That's kind of how we, we roll around here. So, oh, yeah. so uh, Otis, tell us about the album you want to talk about and let's uh, dive in. So it's, it's odd. Every time I bring up that Weezer is my favorite band, everybody's like, Oh yeah. Blue album's awesome, and and this album's good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Blue Album. I have to say Blue Album is probably the most perfect album you could have for your like mm-hmm. debut album for a band. Uh, there's a couple other bands I could have a fight about, but Blue Album's pr- very beautiful. But I actually like their second album. Uh, it's Pinkerton. Uh, it's very, very dark compared to Blue, and that's one reason why it actually didn't do that well because everybody was like, yeah, we want more of that happy stuff from blue. And they're like, no, we, this is how we feel now. Like, this is what we want to do. And yeah, a lot of people, they were not happy about it, but I like it a lot. It's awesome. Yeah. And full disclaimer, I'm not a huge Weezer fan. I have listened to a few of these songs and and listened to some of this stuff. And I, I know kind of Weezer's music, but yeah, I do agree from what I've heard off of Pinkerton. It is much more of a dark album, which is why I think it doesn't kind of fit with the normal Weezer sound, I guess. maybe. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's funny right after that. So after they did Pinkerton and didn't do as well, it made money. They do the Green Album, and hands down, you'll hear me complain about Green Album all the time. Every song is two minutes, 
it's verse, chorus, solo, which is the second verse, chorus, and it's out. Every song is the yeah. same size, shape, and everything. And that that album is one of the best sellers because it's so it's damned if you did, damned if you yeah. do, damned if you don't. It's sad that they had to go back it's to not, it's the soundbite. Yeah. yeah, it's that soundbite album and everything. They kind of almost take that that punk approach in that album, and it's it's that just short, straight to the point tracks. But they, yeah. they've got that kind of pop appeal. Yeah. So uh, when I was younger, um, I used to have uh, I used to use like LimeWire and all those. <laughs> apps to steal music <laughs> and i didn't realize uh i used to make these uh mixtapes and 90 percent of the songs were weezer songs and i didn't realize they were the same band i was like yeah this song keep fishing love this song and i love my name is jonas and me being stupid and not realizing the voice is the same it's just you know 10 years older and i was mm-hmm. like somebody's like no that's weezer man like you have this is like a weezer disc that you made i'm like what <laughs> and then so I got into that and I borrowed, a.k.a. stole uh, CDs from my buddy Steve because he had them all because he loved Weezer. And I just remember grabbing the blue album, grabbing Pinkerton and then the green one. And I remember listening to them uh, for many summers ago, just all summer. And then just Pinkerton kind of sticking with me. And that that's why, honestly, uh, this one, it, it really does stick with me because like I said, just about every song has some story that pops in my head. That's how I, mm-hmm. I don't know, function in life. It's like, you'll say like one or two words and I'm like, that reminds me of a story. So I've always been like that. And so this album, listening back to it, every song, some story pops up in my head and it's kind of ridiculous, but I guess it works out. Yeah, I got, well, I mean, this is the, kind of the perfect format for that thing because we're going to talk about <laughs> right? every track on this album. <laughs> but first, just a little backstory on the album itself. You know, I mean, and I was looking at this, you know, it was released on September 24th, 1996. This Jeez. album is, yeah, I know, right? This album is over, it's 24 years old at this point. Oh my God. This album, this album is probably married with children and has a drinking problem at this point. <laughs> just got out of college. Got student oh. loan debt. Now, I mean, this this album is is seriously it's it's an old album. I mean, yeah. by, I mean, by album standard. I mean, you know, for me, I think oh, it wasn't nineteen ninety six. Wasn't that oh shit? It was twenty four years ago. Oh, never mind. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that. I don't know what year it is. And then when someone's like, oh yeah, the nineties, I'm like, yeah, that was like ten years ago. They're like, no man, it's like thirty years ago. I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> what do you mean all the kids born in the nineties can drink now? Damn it. Oh. Yeah, the last the last wave of nineties kids can drink now, geez. As we're getting there. But but looking at this album too, and then I mean I don't know how much you know about this, but the circumstance behind the album is actually because of uh Rivers Cuomo's leg surgery. He had a, a very painful leg surgery yes. apparently, and he wrote most of this album while recovering from that. Yes. So uh a, a real cool thing when he was in college, um, when he got the surgery and stuff, he went back to school for a little bit and grew out his hair so he looked like a weird old bum. That walked funny. And shout out, and, he, he didn't just go back to college. He went back to friggin' Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny. A lot of the kids there were getting big on Weezer and stuff because of the Blue Album. And they didn't realize it was him. So a lot of the yeah. time he would hear people talk about the band. He's like, oh. I, and, you know, he's like, oh, I look like a hobo right now. So they don't understand that's me. So, yeah. It, no, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just an awesome little. I mean, it's. So originally, did did you see the original concept for this album? Oh, uh, I know that um, it's named after somebody off of uh, was it Madam Butterfly? 
Well, that's that's what it's named after, Jan. So it's, it's named after the character B.F. Pinkerton from uh, Puccini's Madame Butterfly. But originally, uh, this was planned on being a uh, space opera concept album called Songs <laughs> from the Black Hole. That's awesome. So <laughs> apparently that got scrapped at some point. But yeah, I, I kind of want to hear that album. I mean, just me being a sci-fi nerd, I want to hear Songs from the Black Hole and I want to hear that. I want to hear Rivers Cuomo's space opera. No, that's pretty sweet. Uh, some of the, the B-sides... Uh... Actually, I'm sad that they weren't on the real disc. But it, uh, mm-hmm. hmm, now that you say that the kind of the space opera feel, um, mm-hmm. there are a few. Um, what was it? I really miss you. There's a, there's a couple on there that have this like crazy feel to them. That that makes way more sense now. Yeah, they may have been adapted tracks or something like that. And then looking at the album itself, the the uh, cover art is actually a, a very famous Japanese artist uh, who painted it. It's uh, the the title of the print translates to night snow at kambara uh by hiroshigi a very famous japanese artist yeah um it it was originally i believe a woodblock print and so it's it's actually a very famous print i i had never actually until researching this uh this album for this episode never had seen the cover of it i'd I'd heard of it and i've heard about some of the songs but then i saw the the cover i'm like wait that's that's a japanese woodblock print i've seen that before so yeah, a little digging, and it turns out it's uh, yeah Hiroshiji, uh, and uh, Night Snow at Kambara, very famous woodblock print. But yeah, and it's, I mean, this is, as of 2016, so when this album turned 20 years old, uh, it was certified as platinum. So this this album has sold uh, just a couple, just a couple copies, so. Yeah, just a little bit. They did all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's kind of a little background on the album itself. So let's actually dig into the track listing and uh, get rolling on that. So Otis can tell all of his many, many stories. Yeah. So this is this <laughs> this album is it's uh, ten. Ten, 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 ten tracks. Okay, okay. Ten track. It's a ten track album. So yeah, it's and so let's uh, let's get into it. So Hell Otis, yeah. tell us about the first track. <laughs> So it's uh, tired of sex. Uh, <laughs> this song is, yeah, it's it's crazy to me. Um, he's just bringing up all these different names. It's like Thursday night, I'm banging Denise. Friday night, I'm banging Therese. Saturday night, I'm banging Louise. So why can't I be making love come true? Uh, so this song's all about just, I don't know when when I was in college when I really got into this song, it. Uh, what popped up to me was when I was looking for like a good relationship, something solid, uh, there were a lot of people that just kind of wanted to just mess around and then that was it. And it just didn't make sense to me. And mm-hmm. going back and looking back at it now, I'm like, dang, I could have I could have been going crazy back in college. Like I could have just been just going wild, but it just, <laughs> I didn't date that much in high school. And so I didn't have that like you know in high school when people start dating and they're like you're the one i'm gonna marry this is it you know i never had that moment yeah. then and i got that into college and i was like this is it i did i found my person and then that whole <laughs> feel pops up later in this album uh there are two songs that 100 percent uh speak for me but uh yeah it's like yeah i'm i've fallen for you this is it and it's like nah i just kind of just want to mess around i'm like oh okay I just, well, I'm tired of this. <laughs> yeah, and, and apparently this whole song is actually like a self-reflection by Rivers Cuomo that he was just having a lot of meaningless sex. And yeah. he was like, huh, I wonder why I can't find true love. 
I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it has something to do with the fact that you're banging someone different every night. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but yeah, that, that popped in my head, especially when I was listening back to it. And uh, just driving in the car, just just like, oh man, just do you know you you know when you look up and you like doing that flashback kind of thing, like oh man, Kay's like what? And I'm like nah, I could have been a big old, big old slutty slut. I'm like nah, I did not have that uh, <laughs> you could have been a man hoe. Yeah, jeez, yeah, I didn't have that ambition back in the day. <laughs> no, right. I mean, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe your wife wouldn't have married you had you not, yeah. you know. Shout out right? to Katie, another frequenter on this podcast network, and I'm sure you will hear her on an episode of this show at some point. Oh, for sure. Yeah, she's oh, yeah. she was I, sitting yeah. down trying to think of her album. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot I think there's I think you're gonna hear multiple people multiple times just because we all have like, you know, narrowing it down to one album is quite a task. Oh yeah. And a lot of us have like two or three albums that we're just like, but this album was equally important in my life. Why can't I pick one? So we're going to do one album per episode, but you will probably hear multiple people multiple times. So yeah, Tired of Sex was apparently though a, just a, <laughs> a self reflection of his current sexual life at that time. And I mean, I'm, I'm trying to imagine how that worked if he was at Harvard. Yeah. I Are they all see. like nerdy chicks? What the hell? But no, it's, I just assume that, you know, like I said, everybody's horny. And so you can't even like judge it, like where you're from. Everybody wants to get some. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much at that <laughs> college. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the whole, um, how that worked at Harvard seems to be, it's just an interesting question in my mind. So Tired of Sex, the first track, and then that, that's backed up with Get You. Yes. So, uh. So, people out there in, in listening land, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to think about that that moment where someone broke up with you, and then you turn on this song. Get You is the breakup song. The first line of it is, this is beginning to hurt. Oh, man. it's <laughs> it, I Every time I hear this song, it, whew, uh, it it's almost as, actually, it's better than uh, Love Lockdown, Kanye West song. Um it's a oh man! It's whew. I I remember listening to this song, especially tied from the people from the first song. So tired of sex, and then it kind of popped into this. I'm like, oh, I thought I had something here, and this song would come on. Fun fact: this song actually went through a couple of uh, renditions uh, on the the um, super track version of this. There's a an earlier version which is very distorted and very heavy. And uh, they lightened it up some, but it's still pretty a uh, pretty heavy song. But it was very much like way more dark. But yeah, no, this is the breakup song. If something's going down, this is the song that you that you play to feel better or just feel more sad. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a good breakup song, right? It's a good breakup song shouldn't be too light and airy. It should be kind of heavy. It should kind of have that dark droning to it, and then just also. It can either a make you more sad or b you know just let you wallow there and or, or oh, maybe yeah. lift you up a little because it's it's echoing what you're feeling and I think that's what really makes a good breakup song is it's gonna help you get through that no matter what I mean even years afterwards one hundred percent yeah it's just one of the, I think it's just one of those things where it, it, <laughs> and I'm I'm seeing yeah there was like there was another spelling for it too apparently he wrote this song between the release of the blue album and Pinkerton so it's not maybe it. It was considered for the songs from the Black Hole concept album, so Ooh. maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe a little of that played into um, some of the the mood of it. 
maybe it was supposed to be like a space breakup song originally. I don't know. That's that's a Rivers Cuomo question. Yeah, right. That'd be sweet. And you know, as much as we're <laughs> going to mention his name, as always, is tradition on our podcast. Rivers Cuomo, you are welcome to join us on our podcast at any time. Oh, though you may get drooled right. on by his wife. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Shit, I'll drool on you, man. This is going to be. Yeah, you're not going to leave yeah. dry. <laughs> <laughs> The Allentown Network, you never leave dry. <laughs> God, I hope we don't use that as a bumper. Right? At least you're not allowed to use that as a bumper. <laughs> it's God. a good one. I mean, it, that's the problem. I know that's a soundbite. So, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think it's, you know, I mean, I think it's, like, cool, too, that he, he took this song that was kind of lamenting his casual sexual encounters and then backs it up with a breakup song. Oh, yeah. This, like I said... The the um, ordering of these songs, there's only one discrepancy I can think of later on, but listening to it again earlier, it kind of makes sense the order it's in. But when we get to that point, I'll I'll bring it up to you and just see mm-hmm. how, how you feel about it. But I think one song should be earlier in this track. Okay, All right, I think I may know which one you're talking about, but you know we don't want to we don't want to go with too many spoilers yet. <laughs> we've got a whole album here and i'm I'm hoping our you know our fans are either familiar with this or like going to listen to this because of course we're not going to play any of it on here because you know music copyright things and we don't own the rights to any of this but we appreciate what these uh artists have done for us so yeah get you so we get we get you know tired of sex the the lamenting casual sex then get you the breakup song and then otis what comes next no other one so this song, uh, just if you look at the liar, I mean, at the, the lyrics, uh, the first lines, uh, my girl's a liar, but I'll stand beside her. She's all I got. And I don't want to be alone. This once again, <laughs> like one, two and three are just this compact, yep. like feels train that you're like riding on. But uh, yeah, when you think you got the right one and you don't want to let them go, but they're not right for you. And oh, I've, I've met some people that were not right for me, but oh, no. you just get used. You, you just get used to how they make you not lonely. And so you're like, well, you know, you know, she says this, this and that. And then I could just hear Terrell and Steve like, oh, she's a piece of shit. And I'm like, nah, she's not that bad. <laughs> and then you move on. This song is 100 percent. Yeah, you're just dealing with the, the wrong person, but you just don't want to let them go because you'll be alone then. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, I think anyone who is, you know, of a certain age, I mean, whether, you know, whatever that means, you know, whether you're in your early 20s or just out of high school or even like us in your 30s or maybe even older, we've all kind of experienced this at one point or another in our dating lives, probably someone that wasn't quite right for us, unless you're that lucky person who met that like one perfect person for you in high school and you're still married 20 freaking years later or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, good for you, but most of us have probably experienced this like, well, I don't want to be alone. I don't like you that much anymore, but I don't want to be alone. <laughs> oh, that's so, a shame, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's a shame, but I think that's why there's a good song about it. And there's yeah. a lot of good songs about it. You know, it's one of those life themes of <laughs> everyone's going to go through this probably at some point, or at least yeah. maybe even, even if they don't go through the whole experience of it, they might question that. They might say, is this the person for me? Oh yeah. there's. A, I, I would at least hope yeah. that every person who has ever gotten married, even if you're you know, you married your first person you first dated and it was your high school sweetheart. I would hope you, at some point you at least asked yourself that question. Like, is this the person for me? I mean, yes, the answer may have been yes, but ask the it, question. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, so I didn't, I never really had that feeling with Katie. 
I just remember at the wedding when we got married, uh, like 10 minutes before we were supposed to walk out, I just like went for this walk and I was like, what's happening? And it wasn't that I was <laughs> doubting marrying her because I knew I wanted to marry her. It's just, it's weird. Like the wedding day, it's a lot of stuff happening and we were already drinking and there was a bounce house. And so there's just so many things <laughs> going through my head. And I just remember standing there for a second. I was like, oh shit, I'm about to get married. What the hell? But yeah, I assume everyone has that moment where they're like, do I really like Jeff that much? Do I? <laughs> and they, you know, kind of scrunch their nose like, do I like this dude? Do I? You know. Do I? <laughs> yeah, everybody yeah, has that every, moment. I mean, you should. You should really question that. If you're if you're going to make a commitment to someone, you should say, is this the... You should at least have that honest conversation. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, you had been drinking at your wedding at that point. I was sober as hell. <laughs> you look so sad. <laughs> I know. I was I was on high grade painkillers. What do you want from me? I was I had just come back from almost dying. Oh man, Jeff just frowning at the table. He was so sad. Oh. I wanted to be up dancing, but it was too painful. I wanted to be drinking and couldn't on high grade antibiotics that I was on and the painkillers. <laughs> so it was great. It was I mean it was a great wedding. It's just, I wish I'd been able to enjoy it more. Yeah, I mean, you, oh, you would have ended man. up with a hell of a lot less alcohol had I been able to drink. Oh yeah, oh for sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> And I probably would have RKO'd you once or twice. Yeah, if I was in that bounce house with everybody, yeah, you probably would have oh, got yeah. me good. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would, I'd, I'd have got more, at least one good one in. And then, of course, you know, Terrell would have probably powerbombed me through the thing, but, you know, <laughs> powerbombed straight to hell. Oh, man. <sighs> yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah, I mean, that, and that's, a, that's the beauty of all these things, you know, it's... it's it, sometimes we ask the question and the answer is no, and sometimes we ask the question and the answer is yes. But, I mean, you know... But apparently the the um, my girls a liar line was originally supposed to be my girls on fire. Yeah, that's that's a whole different. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to like fit it in. <laughs> right, trying to re trying to rewrite the song, see what he really really wants. And then, huh. uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I didn't know that one. Yeah, I'm just reading these odd facts that I accumulated. You know, <laughs> and again, one of the odd facts for the song, I'm not sure why it was an odd fact, but it's it's in three four timing. It's like who cares? It's three four. Oh, I love a good song. That's when they change the meter, like uh, System of a Down. Oh, I could I could do a System of a Down episode easy, but they change mm-hmm. meter all the time. That's you have a fan if you can change the meter of your songs, easy. You got a fan right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's and that's all, that's just shows some good uh, musicality and some good musicianship right there. I mean, you know, it's not punk where everything's three chords, right. <laughs> <laughs> just keep plucking the string at the same rate of speed it's funny you bring that up because there's a song later on where he says that you know like i don't understand how you like me because all we do is play three chords (laughs) but they play more than three but there's there's a song where he's like i don't understand how you like me because i'm really not good at what i do (laughs) but I, i think you can play three chords and do it artfully instead of just play three chords and play three chords i think there's a way to be a little more artful about it I don't oh, hundred percent. That's just my take because I do love me some good punk music, but but you know it's one of those things where it, it is does punk music have the level of musicality of you know prog rock or orchestral music now, and that's just how it is. Yeah, but you know that's like, uh, that's the scene too, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> so we we go from no other one to why bother? Oh, oh man. Mm. I just think about these songs and it just it just takes me back. So this one, um, this is kind of the point of the relationships. Um, 
or you just kind of give up. Um, so the chorus, it's, you know, why bother? It's going to hurt me. It's going to kill when you desert me. This happened to me twice before. It won't happen to me anymore. So um, a real short one, real, but they're all pretty short. This album's like, what, 36 yeah. minutes? It's, it's Yeah, it's only like a half hour long. Yeah, it's pretty quick. But um, no, it's, yeah, like the first verse, I know I should get next to you. You got to look that makes me think you're cool, but it's a sexual attraction. That's something real, so I better keep whacking. Uh, <laughs> he's still out there looking for the right one, but then he's like, why bother? It's gonna, you're gonna dump me at some point because I guess there's not enough, like, what's the word? Not enough, like, belief in them in himself. Yeah, it, and he's it's like, it's almost yeah. like he's jilted at this point because it's like, well, you know, I mean, if, if you follow the progression of the album, he goes from the, the weird casual sex thing to, you know, to, to, lamenting breakup to I mean, if we go back to the last track no other one like well <laughs> I, i've got someone but I, they're not right for me and so yeah. that's like it's almost like there's in between like these tracks he like ended that terrible relationship and now it's just like well i don't want to waste my time like that anymore yeah so this brings up when i when i heard this again it popped up another story about me and katie so we met in Colorado, and then she went back to California, which I learned later that night. And I went back to Texas, and at that point, I've I was in some eh, moderately all right relationships. They weren't shitty, but um, could have been better. And so I had some doubts that Katie wasn't gonna even like dig me when she actually came to visit. And so I was real nervous about that. And then I just remember Terrell just like trying to calm me down because I was so nervous when she got to Texas and got to our apartment and she'd be like, no, nah, this ain't going to work. Like, or I wasn't going to have enough things to talk about and we weren't going to actually be compatible. And so that was a big fear, but uh, it all worked out. But yeah, every time I hear this song, I always think about moments like that. It's like, you know, why bother, man? Like you're going to break up anyway. You're not even going to stay. So I shouldn't even be doing this. Yeah, I, again, I think that's, again, the going back to the people of a certain age kind of idea, you know? We, if you've been in a lot of relationships and they just haven't worked out, you're going to start to kind of lose that momentum. It's that, you know, relationship energy. It's like, oh, man, why, why am I bothering dating you? Or what's and, and maybe even start to, like, nitpick at the little things. Like, oh, well, you know, she's got a weird snaggle tooth. She's got, you know, brown hair. And it's like... What does this crap even matter? Yeah, but you start you start finding reasons really for it to fail, and it's like reasons not to reasons not to get hurt again. Yeah, because we're all deep and emotional on this podcast or some shit, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I think that is it's so true. It's like this is kind of in a way a lot of this album is just kind of a progression of of someone's dating life and, and how they feel about these things. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, after so, that, uh, I don't know if you wanted to say it, but I'm just going to bring up nah, the next one. Yeah, we can keep, just keep rolling. Yeah. So uh, the next one, Across the Sea. Uh, this song's amazing. Uh, one of the, the the chorus, usually with Weezer songs, the chorus kind of says everything they need to say. So in the chorus is, you know, why are you so far away from me? I need help and your way across the sea. Uh an amazing song. He's actually, uh, I want to say it was a letter he got from a fan in Japan. And um, him just being sad that he can't be closer to her and, and can't, mm-hmm. like, 
I don't know, deal with her the way that he wants to. You know, she's way over there. Uh, an amazing song. And this speaks to me because, you know, dating Katie back in the day, she was in California. I was in Texas. And just it, it sucks when you just want to be with somebody all the time and you can only be with them like some of the time. And you're just living your life like this is fucking boring. I just want to be over there. Um, yeah. An amazing song about that stuff. Um, this is Steve's favorite Weezer song of all time, uh, Across the Sea. And I'll never forget that. Just him driving off, just like, I love this fucking song, and then just speeds off. But um, no, Across the Sea, one of the best songs they've ever made. Fucking amazing. Yeah, and you are correct. Um, it, it was a 14-year-old girl from Japan who wrote him a letter that he actually got while he was having that. I don't know, awakening at Harvard in 95. Yeah. Um, and I guess it just, it, according to the account I read, uh, it basically just depressed him because he's like, well, I'm never going to meet this girl. And even if I do meet her face to face, she's like a 14 year old Japanese girl who probably doesn't speak English. So, and he never actually, from everything I've read, never attempted to contact her or anything, but like parts of the letter are some of the questions that she asked and they're, they're actually appear in the song. So, I mean, really, I think she should get a songwriting credit on this. That's what I'm saying. And yeah, so it also brings up kind of an interesting point about um, Cuomo's adolescence. Uh, apparently, at one point, he considered becoming a monk. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he was going to do so in order to win favor from older women. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it, I, I don't know. That was just kind of put out there in one of the accounts I read. But yeah, so apparently, yeah, you're correct. It was a, a fan letter that really inspired this song. But also, yeah, I think it speaks to any kind of distance in a relationship and any kind of relationship, you know, whether that be friendship or, you know, fan to uh, artist or even romantic relationships. Oh, yeah. That shit sucks. Yeah. But man, it feels good when you get together. But man, that shit sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think and I think I'm gonna just go ahead and go out on a limb and say that yeah, this song, you liking this song a lot. Hey, it's it's one of the longer songs on the album at four and a half minutes, but I, I think yeah, maybe your personal experience with Katie and the long distance relationship aspect of things maybe influenced that just a little bit. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that helped with it. And you know, I'm always usually my stories are just absurdity, just compacted into five minutes. But there's some <laughs> some bittersweet ones and some ones that some thoughtful stories that I have that always work. And this song always brings back those those moments of just like shit. I think I found a good one. She's like way over there, and this really sucks. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert, folks! It all worked out in the end. They, you know, eventually Otis moved to California and they got married. In case yeah. You been listening to the rest of this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think yeah, I think it's again kind of following that emotional progression that we're going through on this album i think it still fits really well so then we move on to actually what became the second single off of this album the good life yes it has um i don't know her name from the office um she's the the receptionist in the video i can't remember her name she got with uh uh, the one the one guy that uh pranks on that one nerdy dude all the time pam is it pam I think a young yeah, Pam is Pam. in the video. She's like a pizza delivery driver. I think it's Pam. Uh, I, don't, I don't actually have this one written down. So, uh, yeah, good question. I think it's her, but it's a young, either her or somebody that looks just, I think it's Pam. Uh, we'll just say yes. But um, yeah. she's a pizza delivery driver in a video. And it's just her shitty life and how she hates doing it. But um, 
But Good Life, this song, um, this reminds me of just back in the day. Um, it always makes me think of like, so my family, the Allens back in Texas, they're, they are all about staying in one spot. My sisters, mm-hmm. they, they find something, like we're good. Uh, I'm that weird one that actually likes to scoot around. I have a lot of wanderlust and stuff. I love vacationing and traveling and seeing new stuff. It makes you a better person when you see things from a distance. Um, mm-hmm. And so that reminds me of just me traveling. And like the first time I went to California um, with uh, with Terrell, we we drove there because Terrell was bored and he was fussing with his kind of girlfriend at the time. He's like, let's go. And I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, we're going to California. And he's like, no, seriously, I'll be back in 20 minutes. Like, be ready. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm playing video games. He comes back with a bag. He's like, what the fuck? I told you be ready. I'm like, oh, we actually are going. Oh, okay. Well, let me make a bag. I didn't know. And just us traveling and just seeing half of the U.S. driving-wise, because Texas is like 52 hours <laughs> to get through it, Um, just seeing the world and laughing about stuff and just, that was really fun. I, I love traveling. It's probably one of the coolest things. So... Uh, this good life, good life, it makes me think of like back in the day with my friends when we didn't have that many like, like responsibilities and shit. And uh, it, it it reminds me of like just being stupid, playing Smash Brothers all day, and just eating dumb stuff and not getting chunky. And it just I don't know, it's good stuff, man. Like I could do whatever I wanted and be fine, and just run around with my friends. Now my back hurts if I do anything. If I if I sleep wrong <laughs> on a couch, I'm like fucking Christopher Reeve for the next day, and it just it just sucks, you know. But uh, one of the the my favorite lyrics is once again it's that chorus uh, when the hook comes in. They always bring out what they want to say. It's like I don't want to be an old man anymore. It's been a year or two since I was out on the floor, you know, shaking booty, making sweet love all the night. It's time I got back to the good life. They're just saying how they miss all that good stuff and they hate what their life's going through now because he's in the second verse. He says, screw this crap. I've had it. I hate school. I just want to quit. And um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's just him saying he just misses when things were easier and it was fun. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of this, too, from what I've read, uh, this has a lot to do with his feeling of longing of missing like the performing and the recording and you know, touring in grippies um, with the whole leg surgery incident that really kind of pushed him to, you know, have the surgery on his legs and the time at Harvard kind of took him out of his element, I guess. And that's why he wrote the song. I, mean, I, I think it's kind of interesting that they put this right behind across the sea when it goes from this like ballad of longing to, no, I just want to fuck all night. So we're back <laughs> to the start again. Right, we're, we're right back to the meaning of sex. It's like, wait, 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 what? We just went on this emotional journey, and now we're just back to, okay, you're you again, cool. It's almost like a, it's like a recovery, and, and I, th- I find it funny. Um, it was the line out of the Rolling Stone review for this song. Yeah, one of the Rolling Stone reviews says the good life it was catchier than syphilis. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good I, I line. That, yeah. I found that one, yeah, just one of those great lines. Like, okay, yeah, it, it is a very catchy song. It's one of the, the few songs prior to, like, doing research for this that I had heard. So, yeah, it being a pretty pretty massively successful single for them at the time, I think, relatively speaking. Yeah, it's a damn good one. 
yeah, it's a damn good song, but you know, then you take the good life and that transitions into El Scorcho, uh, easily one of the catchiest songs on this album. An easy guitar line, just a simple song, and it actually changes speed at one point, goes double time, which I love in songs. Uh, it's an amazing song. And this one, uh, it, it reminds me of back in the day. Uh, when So when I got into Weezer extra hard one summer, uh, me, Steve, and Terrell, we worked at a warehouse. Uh, it was a shredding company. And so we just all we did was just shred stuff all day and just sweat and be thin. And so Terrell would pick me up in the morning, and I would put this d- disc just in his CD player all the time. He's like, God damn it. And he's like, all we do is listen to Weezer. <laughs> And I was like, man, I like this song. And it was one of the few songs that he actually, like, 100% loved. Um, so it was El Scorcho. He loved this song. And he, this was one of the ones he would, like, hum and, like, sing and stuff. Uh, he he liked Weezer a lot. Not as much as, you know, me and Steve. But there were a few songs that he just knew. Like, he played a couple seconds. Like, oh, that's the one Weezer song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, this this song, it oh, it's amazing. Like I said, Weezer in their courses, man. They they get what they need out. It says, you know, yep. I'm a lot like you, so please. Hello, I'm here. I'm waiting. I think I'd be good for you, and you'd be good for me. This and, okay, this is the point. All you guys at home, this song starts this trio of songs that I think is probably the one of the coolest, like, suites of, like, music, like, hands down and emo-y, rocky music stuff, alternative. Um yeah, but this song is like, I think you are the one, and I think I'm perfect for you. We need to get this going. It's, yeah, this song is amazing, because the third verse, he's like, you know, I wish I could get my head out of the sand, because I think we'd make a good team, and you would keep my fingernails clean, but that's just a stupid dream that I won't realize, because I can't even look in your eyes without shaking, and I ain't faking. It's all those feelings of like, you are the one, but I'm so scared of you saying no that I just I'm I'm nervous, but I want to do this because you are the perfect person. This man, this song is amazing. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool. This is one of the few songs I had again, one of the few I'd, I'd heard coming into the research for this. But it's it's interesting. This is uh, they mentioned this is one of the few songs that uh, Cuomo wrote as kind of a narrative during his time at Harvard. And so, yeah, it is kind of a narrative from of his life. And in fact, he even admitted it in a 2006 interview with the Crimson, uh, Harvard's official college newspaper, that two of the lines for this song and two actually of the big cultural references in this song were lifted from uh, classmates he had in, ex- in an expository writing class. That's why if you actually look at the lyrics uh, as mm-hmm. they're printed, there's quotation marks around them. And that's why it's, it's just because if you, I actually went and looked at this uh, after I saw it. And I went, oh, that is kind of odd because they're just, for, for no odd reason, in the middle of the song, two lines and two references are just in quotation marks. Oh, was it the uh, the, like, the new Jack uh, through a yeah, press table? Uh, yeah. The Cha Cha San uh, one for um, is the first one from Madam Butterfly. Yeah, and then yeah, and then the yes, the um, watching grunge leg drop new Jack through a press table. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there, uh, speaking of speaking of some crossover here, our love of wrestling. Uh, that's that. For those of you who aren't aware, that is a reference to uh, East Coast Wrestling, ECW. Yeah. And and Johnny Grunge leg dropping wrestler New Jack through a table. And actually, uh, it's probably from a very iconic photo of that happening. On that was a, I believe it was the cover. Or it was just in uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. 
Oh, probably. Yeah. I think it might have been the cover shot. I don't, I don't, I'm not hundred percent on that one, but yeah, but it just, yeah, just the joke about new Jack getting like dropped through a table by Johnny grunge. I, I oh, yeah. laugh at that all the time. hundred <laughs> percent. But yeah, but he, that's so, yeah, that's why they, there's, there's so many, this, this is a song that like just is rife with cultural references and, and, you know, I don't know. The opening line is just, you know, God damn you half Japanese girls. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate, which has apparently been censored two different ways on the radio. They either just bleep out the God or they change it to dog. Apparently. Dog. So damn. dog damn. That's oh, weird. I don't know how that works. Yeah, my look, just cut it out. Yeah, right. just bleep it. <laughs> just bleep the bleeping bleeper. But yeah, so yeah, El Scorcho, great. It is one. It as limited as my Weezer knowledge is. It's one of my favorite Weezer songs, and it was the first single off of this album. So. Yeah, it's a damn good song. Yeah. If you were gonna get in anywhere with Weezer, this is a good one to start with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That. And then, the, then speaking of narrative songs and into the second part of your trio of songs yes pink triangle Whew. okay so <laughs> uh one of uh my relationships well a friendship and i really wanted more from it a really good friend Lindsay, um very close shout and, out if you're listening and i thought that was it that was the one and then just like the chorus hits I'm dumb. She's a lesbian. I thought I had found the one. We were good as married in my mind, but married in my mind's no good. This, oh, man. This song just speaks to you. And I know there are people out there. It's like, oh, man, I, I thought we were something was going to happen with this. He's like, no, no, I'm gay. I'm like, oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> it, it, it's an amazing song either way, um, but just music-wise, uh, it's great. But yeah, I... I'm one of those ones you could just feel this. I'm like, oh yeah, I feel that in my heart right there. Like, oh, this, mm-hmm. this is good. Yeah. So apparently, again, this is you know echoing your story. That's exactly kind of what Cuomo went through. He was like watching this girl in one of his classes, kind of creepy, and you know having <laughs> fantasies about dating her and maybe marrying her. And then the, the title of the song "Pink Triangle" actually, so as a as a cultural reference for those of you unaware, uh, a pink triangle was uh, the, the symbol itself. Uh, its most famous usage goes back to actually uh otis do you know this one i actually don't know 100 percent. Okay, no. so, yeah so um, it actually goes back to uh nazi germany and the concentration really? camps uh and the the typically it was just the gay male prisoners were marked with a pink triangle hmm. and that's the in the concentration camps. yeah they were given a pink triangle it was it was typically hmm. just the gay males um yeah but that's why the pink triangle has begun has been readopted as a uh, huge symbol of the uh, LGBTQ plus community, and it's now just kind of a, a huge symbol in that way. But yeah, so that's that's and that's actually if you so Rivers actually that's why he named the song Pink Triangle because he actually saw this girl come to school one day with a pink triangle on her backpack, and he's like, oh well, there we go. So she must be a lesbian. So he, he, I don't think he ever got the true story or ever talked to her. But that's he kind of ends that fantasy right there because he sees the big triangle. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite. A symbol. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite lines. It's honestly the end of every verse. He comes out with this really, really good lines. But uh, it's in the se- second verse. Uh, he says, um, uh, "When I think I found a good old fashioned girl, then she put me in my place. Everyone's a little queer." Oh, why can't she be a little straight? Oh man, uh, <laughs> amazing yeah, lines. Think, yeah, oh, yeah, and I mean, you know, and so, and, and again, we have to think about 
man, you have to think about the time of this too. This was 1996, 1997 when all this was coming out and really hitting the airwaves. And this was a single off the album. This was the third single that came off of the album. So I would, I would like to think that we were more progressive at that point, but I really think still the whole um, alternate sexualities was still a long conversation that had not been had yet by a lot of people. And I, I think we're, are we great at it now? We're still getting better, I think, but we're still not 100% there. Um, but it's interesting, too, because if you then like want to talk about creepy timing, and <laughs> I'll point to one of my favorite. Uh, are, you, are, are you already know where I'm going with this? No, actually, I don't know. Oh, so creepy timing. Uh, the same year, like 1997, uh, it, it was completely coincidental for everything I can find. Uh, there, there was no coordination on this or any meaning or any... Uh, being cross-used, but um, Kevin Smith's movie, Chasing Amy, came out. Oh, shit! Yeah, so if you're unfamiliar with the plot of Chasing Amy, it's Ben Affleck falls in love with a lesbian. And if you haven't seen Chasing Amy, it is a wonderful piece. Oh, amazing on, movie. A, a, it's, it's great commentary on sexuality, and there's just some great lines from it. And, and you know, shout out to Kevin Smith, welcome on this podcast anytime, and I would mm-hmm. more than love to come on Smodcast, but you know. Um, yeah, so it, it's one of those things, it's, it's I think the national narrative was starting to shift that way where a lot of these, I don't even want to say alternative. It's, it sounds wrong. It's just these, these other ways of being uh, were, were starting to be talked about and starting to mainstream, but we weren't quite there yet. Oh yeah. No, but they were, they were starting to become part of the national conversation and I think still very much need to be. So yeah, it's, it, it's very interesting, but yeah, pink triangle. I think <laughs> I find it funny that you can identify with this and actually, no, I really don't. I, I, I completely get it. <laughs> Uh, I honestly think that's my superpower that I have a story for just about everything. I I can relate to a lot of things. You know, people will be like, "Oh, no one gets it." I'm like, put my hand up. I, I actually moderately get this. <laughs> and here's uh, three stories about why. Yeah, I. But honestly, I, I that's my superpower. I always have some type of situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and fortunately, ninety percent of those stories start out with my buddy Steve or my buddy Terrell or Terrell yeah. and Steve. Yeah, they usually Greg. They were usually there for a, yeah. 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 yeah there's some great story i mean yeah just you know listen to any of our other podcasts and i dare you i, I dare you to find an episode where the one of those three names doesn't come up at least once oh yeah always i i don't <laughs> think it exists in our catalog not at all <laughs> so yeah pink triangle his kind of lament and so he, he kind of tells i kind of call this like the harvard narrative block it's you know you have we went from el scorcho to pink triangle into falling for you uh, one of the most amazing songs. Beautiful. It can't, it changes keys. It shifts. It's awesome. So this is my this is my TED talk. Uh, Falling for <laughs> you should have came before Pink Triangle. The way this song. So he brings up in the song that. Um, uh, but I do like you in another one. You say like too much, and he's like, but I'm shaking at your touch. I like you way too much, but baby, I'm afraid I'm falling for you. So he is, this is the one. He's like, yep, you're the one. I love you. This, We will be happy together. And then it, it just, the way he talks in Pink Triangle, he's like, I'm dumb. I should have saw this. I should have saw that you were a lesbian. I'm an idiot. This song should have came first because the whole time he's all flowery, flowery, and just, <laughs> and just happy about everything and stuff. Um. And, and and like I said, at the end, he's like, I can't believe how bad I suck. It's true. What could you possibly see in little three-chord me? But I do like you, and you like me too. I'm ready. Let's do this, baby. And then the chorus hits again. I'm telling you, I'm putting my hand, I'm putting my cards down. 
this song should have came before. And, and Katie argues with me that no, it, it's fine the way it is. I honestly think that it should have flipped and Fallen For You should have came before Pink Triangle. And Pink Triangle should have been one of the last ones. I, I kind of think it should have been the last song on the album. But because Butterfly is kind of just there and it's like one of my least favorite songs. <laughs> uh, it's just kind of him singing about stuff. I don't really. There's probably some backstory to it. I've never got it. But honestly, this trio of songs should have been at the end end and not Butterfly. It's not even that long of a song. Like, eh. yeah, I mean, even I'm kind of even thinking just in the scheme of things, maybe if you put this one between I get you and no other one. Ooh. Yeah, because maybe it would have felt that fit that uh, emotional progression a little better. True, and it seems like there's some type of like like rising like conflict with his life, and then it you know it plateaus, and then it you know it drops off, and it, it's kind of a, a yeah. quick drop off because toward the end of this this album where it's like oh oh well, you're gay so shit, <laughs> and then it's like oh I found <laughs> another one. This is the one you know I like you and another girl, but like you're the one I'm falling for you. And then it just yeah. kind of fades off at that point. So it's it's a weird progression at the end of this album. But no, I 100% every time I listen to the album, Fallen For You should have came earlier in this album, if anything, 100% before Pink Triangle. So that yeah, that's my yeah. TED Talk. <laughs> I, I agree. And I, I think, you know, kind of seeing the, the lyrical progression of this album, yeah, I think it would have probably fit better either before Pink Triangle or maybe even much earlier in the album in that kind oh, of yeah. Easily, but eh, I mean, I, I, it makes a little less sense where it is. If, if the intent was this emotional progression that we're following, you know? so it's funny at the end of Pink Triangle, and this is the part that gets me. The end of Pink Triangle, you know how songs have like a fade out, and then the next one starts. This right. song fades directly into Falling for You. They actually have the same like in between little ditty that the, one of the guitar players is playing. And it flows mm-hmm. into Falling For You, which makes even less sense because... <laughs> yeah, I'll say that makes it make even less sense. So so Rivers is like, this song is connected to this one. And I'm like, it just don't make sense. So well, that's why I mean, I'm okay. like, yeah. Let's go devil's advocate here for a second. What if that maybe is the point of it? And he's trying to say, well, yeah, maybe it's kind of a reverse um, flow of the time here. Ooh. What, yeah. What if, what if, it's, if we're kind of seeing these events in reverse? Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, maybe that's another way of looking at it. I kind of, I kind of like that way of looking at it, actually. Yeah, you know, if, if we're seeing, we're seeing the "I'm dumb, I'm dumb, I'm dumb" end result, and then how he got there. I like that a lot. That's very uh, okay. Chuck Palahniuk of him. Very Fight Club, like show the end. Right, and I say it's, let's yeah. take a little I, bit. I, I, how I got here. So yeah, <laughs> You went Palahniuk, I was going to go Vonnegut, but you know, Ooh, same idea. Yes. It's very vonnegut in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Right, and then we close the album with our 10th track, as you previously mentioned, Butterfly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The lyrics are... I've never understood this song, so I don't know if you have any fun fact about it. Like, at the end, he's uh, saying that he's sorry. Um, there's a couple lines about his mom. Um, I just never got this, this song. Is, yeah. This one is actually a direct link and a direct pull from Madam Butterfly. Uh, oh. So this, this, yeah, this is a lot more uh, uh, written directly based on Madam Butterfly. So that's maybe why it doesn't make as much sense in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it, it doesn't have the same feel as everything else. Like this is like the least emo-y emotional song in it. Like the lyrics, mm-hmm. some of them are pretty like, you know, sad. Like I said, at the end, he's saying that, you know, I'm sorry for what I did. 
you know, every time I pin down what I think I want, it slips away. Um, it's sad. It's got that sad feel to it, but not the same type of sad that, you know, a lot of emo bands and some just normal bands do. They make that super sad song with the lyrics, but then the song sounds so happy. Right. <laughs> and it's like, right. la, 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 la. And it's like, I'm about to explode. Ah. And <laughs> and so it just, this one just feels like ah, melancholy. It's just, it just doesn't fit with the rest of them. And I kind of feel that this should be one of those, like, the last song on the album's like eight minutes long. And when you finish the first song, a minute in is just quiet. And then this song starts. It should have been one of those. And I wouldn't, wouldn't have been yeah. so grumpy about it. But yeah. Well, which is interesting, too, because a lot of fans actually really like this song from what I've uh, read. And actually, it got a really good uh, critical review from Rolling Stone as well. Uh, a lot of people really, yeah, a lot of people thought that it was a really great, like, uh, acoustic, uh, gentle number that it was just like it was more emotional and like a lot of people really praised it so it's interesting that you didn't like it (laughs) i like my emo and i like it normal and emo damn it i don't need this weird (laughs) shit no it just like i'm not like musically ocd about things there's some albums i'm like this fits here and it makes sense and you should stop right now with this album and blah 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 but just (laughs) i don't know with this one it just doesn't feel like it fits and i'm trying not to be real grumpy about it it just it just doesn't feel the same and i bet it's amazing live um i saw them they oh, yeah. were doing the red album and ratitude so later on in their life where people were like they're not the same type of weezer i'm like well it's been 20 fucking years so you know can't <laughs> sing about going to the fucking mall all the time they have kids now but um <laughs> now they're they, taking their kids to the mall yeah right <laughs> well there's there's a song with pork and beans it sings about them like fuck i'm old <laughs> <laughs> and it's like what do we do now um but yeah uh they they didn't do that one and i could feel that this is probably one of the last songs before the encore and like rivers comes out and he plays just on acoustic guitar it's probably just him singing it and everybody's uh, like yeah, it's, it's, yeah there's only there's only two members of the band listed as as people on this song it was rivers and like, carl and oh yeah so i could easily see yeah, I could easily see in the concert he plays this and he's like, see you guys, boy. And everybody's like, Weezer, Weezer. And then they come back, ah, oh, fuck it. Let's do Surf Wax America. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah, just right. play that. So, but yeah, it just, to me, it just doesn't feel right. But I'm a weird person. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I think overall, it, this is a great album. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, I've listened to, like I said, I've listened to most of it. I've, I've enjoyed a lot of it. It's, it's a great album. And I think, but to your point, um, you know, fans don't evolve. They just become uninteresting. Yep. You don't, if you get, especially these bands that have been around 20, 30, 40 years, if your music doesn't change, I mean, yeah, some people are going to have that nostalgia spot and it's always going to kind of be play the hits in concert. But if your music doesn't change, people probably aren't going to come with you. But then there's the other edge of that sort of where if your music changes too much, people are going to fall off as well. So it's, it's, I think that's the biggest issue for longevity with bands is, finding how to evolve your sound with your audience and with your, how you're evolving and still stay relevant. Oh yeah. So it's funny. Uh, Rivers, uh, one type of song he's always wanted to do. He's always wanted to make a rap song. So in the red album, he got with uh, Jermaine Dupri did tons of rap back in the day. He still does. Mm-hmm. And he got with Lil Wayne and they made a song. Can't stop partying. 
And uh, I don't know how some people don't like Lil Wayne. Some people don't like rap with Weezer. But it's one of the coolest, different sounding songs they've ever done. And uh, they change all the time. And usually their singles feel like back in the day Weezer. But then you listen to the album a little bit more and you're like, oh, shit, this is kind of different. I've stuck with them. They did a album just of covers. And their cover of No Scrubs is probably one of the coolest covers I've heard (laughs) of that song ever. Um, I'm sad that they didn't have a rap part in it. So I wish they could get with TLC and actually do the rap part. But um, that would have been pretty awesome. Yeah, I know they're doing an album of just Van Halen covers soon. Um, they're they're what? amazing at playing guitar, so they can do all the the musicality stuff. I'm just curious how vocally how it's gonna sound, and it'd be cool if you could get some of those guys to be on the album. That'd be fucking amazing. So Weezer is getting out there. They're just doing different stuff, so it's really cool. Yeah, I could see I could see like Sam Hagar doing some stuff with them. Oh, that'd be, that'd be so cool. cool. Oh, yeah. I agree. That'd be pretty freaking awesome. All right. So we, we, we're kind of hitting near the hour mark here. So uh, we'll probably wrap up now that we finished the album. So we, we want to do one little thing. If you've listened to like our scary movie squad stuff, uh, this is going to kind of seem familiar and I'm, I may or may not have ripped this off from them, uh, but we <laughs> want to do a five word summary of the album. Yeah. So, so to summarize your feelings on this album in five words, Otis, what you got? Feel my pain. Damn it. It's, it just, you, <laughs> I that's when fair, I think of words, whatever. damn it, God damn it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, when I when I think of this album, it's not happy. It's weird. It it's happy moments because like the good life, you know. I think about back in the day, and I'm like, man, I miss like my old home. I miss my mom. I miss Texas and my friends being closer to them. And then you know, then you feel a little sad because things are different. You know, mm-hmm. it's. All in all, this album's not that happy, <laughs> and <laughs> it's 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 all about just sad, hurty moments in between all the good. Um, so yeah, every time I, I hear this album, it it ain't happy. So you just just feel my pain, man. Feel it. Like <laughs> I want to find a good relationship, but it ain't working. So uh, that's that's how it makes me feel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's you know. Feel my pain, goddammit. I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's pretty pretty good. Yeah, I mean that's this album is emotional. It's about emotions, it's about progressions. And so and I, I think, you know, in, in this conversation we've seen how you've identified with that and, and uh how that's you know kind of helped shape you too. So very interesting. So thank you guys for listening as always. Uh don't forget to give us a follow on the Facebooks, on the Twitters. It's Allentown Pod on the Twitter, and just look for either Allentown Presents on Facebook or our other offshoot podcast, 20 Minutes at the Bar, or the Mr. Sparkle Power Hour, if you're a Simpsons fan. Uh if you have questions, comments, want to talk to us about something, or heck, even maybe want to think about shooting an episode of this with us. Uh, hit us up at allentownpresents at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And yeah, feel my pain, God, God damn it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> See ya.